This program has been made by the friends and partners of Jennifer LeClaire Ministries. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. And when you come to that point of desperation where you realize, I can't do it, your tears become your prayers because God still wants to do it. God still wants to work a miracle. He still wants to make a way out of no way. As a matter of fact, He is the way. He is the truth. And He is the life. about this this day, something that I can share with our community that will bless them. And the Lord began to show me out of Acts chapter 2, this process from weeping to waiting to winning. And it's all right there in the book of Acts, from weeping to waiting to winning. So I'm calling this message, Weeping, Waiting, and Winning, because we do all three. At some point in our life, we find ourselves weeping. At many points in our life, we find ourselves waiting. And hopefully, in a lot of points in life, we find ourselves winning. But sometimes it's a process that we have to go through. I've done a lot of weeping in my life. I've done a lot of waiting, and I've done a lot of winning. So Acts chapter 2 really shows this clear process. Father, I thank you for the anointing of the Spirit of God. I thank you, Lord, that you give us ears to hear what you're saying to the church on today. I ask you, Father, to open our eyes to see the gift of tears, to understand that there's a waiting process, but to know that we are winners in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. So many people, they get stuck in the weeping. They get stuck in the weeping and they become depressed. They become discouraged. They become melancholy. And they just, they're always, instead of, instead of winning, they're whining. And so I had a friend many years ago, I actually met him at a Joyce Meyer conference I was serving, I was volunteering there, and he, I was taking up the offering, the buckets, and he was late putting his in, and he came and put his in, and, he, and we began to talk about something because we were both from the same area. And, and, and I found out that his son had died from leukemia. His son suffered with leukemia for many years, and when his son died, his marriage fell apart, and he got divorced. So he was grieving this, but, the, but the, and it, was, it was a very fresh wound. And he was still very much in the throes of grief. But then over the years, he got worse instead of getting better. How many of you know your trials can make you bitter or they can make you better? He began to whine. He began to groan. He began to get depressed to the point that I actually lived in a trailer that was full of trash everywhere. He didn't ever even get up. He didn't do anything. This is the extreme to which the enemy wants to take us when grief hits our household, when pain uh, uh, comes to our soul. Many refuse to do the waiting, and they end up wandering around the same mountain of defeat over and over and over. But those who yield to this process, those who will wait on God, those who will allow themselves to grieve the right way, be, uh, to, to weep, will win. So turn to your neighbor and say, you look like a winner. Some of you don't look like you're so sure. Amen. You guys are winners. You guys are, let me read you the scripture. I break and bind all distractions, all confusion, in Jesus' name, 
Amen. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, somebody say suddenly. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I wish that I was there. I would have loved to have chronicled that scene. Can you imagine? They're sitting there, and suddenly, out of nowhere, they didn't know what to expect. They were waiting on something. They were expecting something. Jesus said "He will that my Father will send you the promise of the Holy Ghost, but they didn't have a clue. And all of a sudden, <laughs> What a dramatic encounter. Of all the encounters in the Bible, that is one that I would have liked to experience firsthand. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, you know what happens next. Peter was empowered by the Holy Ghost, as were all the disciples in the upper room. They were empowered by the Holy Ghost to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. And he began to preach the gospel, and he started winning thousands of souls. Hallelujah. He began to win. He began to walk in signs, wonders, and miracles. Peter, though, if you just rewind the story a few pages, Peter was not always a winner. Peter, at one point, was a great failure. He felt like he was a failure. What happened? He denied Jesus three times. Just a few chapters earlier. He denied Jesus three times. And the Bible says he wept bitterly. I can only imagine what must have been going through his mind after the third time that the rooster crowed and he denied Christ. Remembering the prophetic utterance that Jesus spoke over his life, I can only imagine the grief that he felt at making such a huge mistake, even though he was warned ahead of time. How many of you have ever been warned and you've done the dumb thing anyway. And then you feel dumb, and you think everybody's going to say, I told you so, so you don't want to admit it, so you just keep trying to cover up the... Peter, here he was, probably thinking about how Judas had done something similar, and well, look at the fate of Judas. I don't know what was going through his mind, but I know if he was weeping bitterly, it wasn't good. So here was Peter just a few chapters before in failure. He wept, he waited, and he started winning. You don't have to weep forever. You don't have to wait forever. And you can win a lot more than you think. He started shaping church history. He started shaping the early church. He goes down in church history as one of the greatest ever in the church history, in the history of the church. I'm going to ask you a question. What does your history look like? Whatever it looks like, whatever mistakes that you made, the Spirit of the Lord today would say to you, it's not too late for, to turn it all around. The Lord says it's not too late because of the mistake. It's not too late. You can make it all right. You can walk in the winning. You can walk in victory. Lord says, I've made a way for you. All you have to do, says God, is return to me. Learn from the way that you went so that you won't go that way before, says the Lord. Somebody say amen. Many of us suffer great loss, or we make grave mistakes, and we weep bitterly. Many of us have hope deferred that makes the heart sick. Like Hannah, she wept bitterly because she was barren, because she wasn't producing the dream, because she didn't have the capability. 
to go forward in the will of God. She wept. And Job said, how many remember Job? Some demons are going to come out today because I'm seeing some people manifesting and some demons are going to come out today. You know, some demons just, just manifest to try to distract you. How many of you are, are aware of deliverance ministry? Some demons just, just manifest just to try to distract you, and that's what's going on in this atmosphere right now. So we're not going to allow it. And I command the demon to be bound now in Jesus' name. You will not distract. You will not frustrate. You will not draw attention to yourself. I command that demon in you to be bound right now in Jesus' name. Amen. That's how you deal with things, preachers. You don't just try to struggle through something. You bind it. Let's talk about the weeping. Job said this, my face is red with weeping. Dark shadows ring my eyes. Let's talk about the weeping. Let's talk about the tears. I was at at IHOP in December, and Corey Russell preached a message on the gift of tears, and it really moved me. You know, he lost his child. Uh, He was about, I don't know, what, nine months old when when the, the baby died of what they said was SIDS. Um, and I really don't believe that's what it was. I believe it was a demon power. I believe it was an attack of the enemy to steal that boy. But they went through a long period of grieving. And in that time, he began to share just recently in December about the gift of tears. And here's the thing I've learned about tears is God hears your tears. When you come to the point of desperation, when you do not know how to praise you want, and you can't even pray in the Holy Ghost, you don't even care to open your mouth and pray, the tears become your prayers. God hears your tears. The tears become your intercession. The tears become your travail that births a new thing in your life. And many of us have been told Let's not do that right now. Many of us have been told that we ought not to cry, that we should hide our emotions, that we should just suck it up, that we shouldn't let people know how we feel. And we walk into churches all across the country, and people ask us how we are, and instead of admitting that we're broken on the inside, we say things like, well, I'm too blessed to be stressed. We say things like, well, I, I, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm walking in the joy of the Lord. That's my strength. And the gift of tears is something that's healing. You know, I did not understand until just recently how many times I would be at a prayer line and someone would begin to cry, but they'd try to choke back the tears. And I would say to them, go ahead and loose the tears because there's healing in your tears. And there is. There is healing in your tears. There is a purpose for the weeping. Many people throughout Scripture wept. Joseph, seven times in Scripture, wept. Christ Jesus, two times in Scripture, wept. We see weeping. We live in a digital era in which we can have friends all over the globe. Yet true, deep, personal connections are hard to come by in a busy world. And finding a church that offers prophetic revelation and practical keys to overcome the enemy's plans for your life can be difficult in a seeker-friendly church world. Enter ahop.online, an outreach of Awakening House of Prayer. We're a global community of believers passionately pursuing God's presence. We're a prophetic church where the Holy Spirit moves. We empower you to live a supernatural breakthrough lifestyle. Get connected and make true connections in the Awakening House of Prayer global family. If you can't come to our church in Florida, come to our church online.
Ancient texts foretell a time when God's celestial beings, angels, will once again have manifested influence over the earth. The sudden increase in angelic visitations reported worldwide suggest we're entering the time, an era foretold in the book of Revelation, when during great awakening, miracles will occur, trumpets will sound, and the everlasting gospel will resound throughout the heavens. Now more than ever, believers need to understand the role that angels are set to play and discern the difference between the coming holy and unholy encounters. Now more than ever, you need Angels on Assignment again by Jennifer LeClaire. Corey talked about this gift coming. Uh, when you face, listen, when you come face to face with your human inability to change anything yourself. When God brings you to that place, that's when the tears start flowing. Because tears come in time, tears come when you can't change the thing. You can't change the fact that your son or your daughter is diseased and dying. You can't change the fact that your marriage is falling apart. You've done everything that you know to do. You can't change it. And when you come to that point of desperation where you realize, I can't do it, your tears become your prayers because God still wants to do it. God still wants to work a miracle. He still wants to make a way out of no way. As a matter of fact, he is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. And our tears flowing like a river demonstrate our humility that we can't do it. We're at the end of ourselves. And that's where many times we find the hand of God reached out. We finally see it. It was there all the time. God's hand is always out saying, come to me. Grab hold of me. Let me walk you through this thing. But many times we think we can fix it the same way we did last time. But it doesn't work that way every time. Somebody say amen. amen. It's a lie that boys don't cry. I feel whoever said that needs to be slapped. Whoever made that saying. Because we have a generation of men who won't cry. But yet David cried. King David cried over and, and he was a mighty man of war. Joseph cried. Jesus cried. And whoever said that boys don't cry has done a disservice to generations because this is part of how we release emotional pain. David was so distraught sometimes that he watered his bed with tears. He was crying to God for deliverance from his enemies. He was crying to God for mercy over his sins. He was crying when his cruel spiritual father died. He was crying when his best friend Jonathan died. He was crying when his son Absalom died, even though his son Absalom betrayed him. He was crying when Abner's body went grave. David was a weeper. He was a warrior and he was a worshiper. And so many times we hear, well, David was a worshiper and a warrior. Guess what? He was also a weeper because his heart was tender toward God. And if your heart is really tender toward God, there will be times where you will cry just because of who he is. 
You will cry because of the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living that has been demonstrated in your life. You will cry because goodness and mercy follow you everywhere you go. You will cry because you should have been dead, but he raised you again. You will cry because you deserve to go to hell, but he translated you out of that darkness and put you into light. You will cry because you should have been in jail for 50 years, but you got released. You'll cry when you're in humility. When you see who he is, you will weep. And you will cry like David did. Psalm 6, 6. David said it. I am worn out from my groaning. All night long I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. How many of you have ever cried yourself to sleep? You don't have to raise your hand. Some of you won't. They say crying actually makes you tired. Because of the emotional release. They say crying actually makes you tired. On Resurrection Sunday, after that service here, I actually cried myself to sleep. Because the Holy Spirit was so grieved by the shenanigans going on with a few that just couldn't seem to get off their phone and stop talking to each other and couldn't reverence the Lord. I'm not a big crybaby. But when the Lord is grieved, it grieves me. And the, more close you, the closer you get to God, the more you'll be grieved by what grieves him and the more you'll weep over the sin in the earth. That's true intercession. We weep because we're in pain. Baby, babies cry because they're hungry. They cry because they're tired. They cry because they're wet. Little children cry because they're frustrated and they don't know how to express themselves any other way. But in all these instances, the common denominator is that we feel helpless to change anything. Psalm 56, verse 8, you, you're, you number my wanderings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? When God brings you to that place of weeping over your inability to change anything, the good news is this. Here's what you have to remember. When you're there, when you feel as if you don't want to go on. You feel like you want to quit. You feel like nothing's ever going to change. You feel like you're so hurt and wounded that you shouldn't even When you feel that way, you have to know that God is setting you up for a breakthrough. And your breakthrough doesn't really come in your bitterness. Your breakthrough comes when you release the bitterness of your heart. And you allow God to come in and cleanse you from that unrighteousness and from that unforgiveness, from that pain. Their breakthrough is right around the corner. A pastor wrote to Major William Booth. He's the founder of the Salvation Army. One time he he said, sir, we tried every method. What shall we do? And William Booth said, try tears. Now, this isn't, you know, we're not coming out and you know, putting onions all around the sanctuary and so you'll, you'll cry. This is not about playing some kind of really sad song so that you'll st- be stirred up in your emotions. We were in Lisboa and they, we went to this really old district from the 1300s and they said that they had a certain song, uh, kind of song, was it Fado? Fado? A certain kind of music they sing, and it's just really depressing. It's really slow songs. And I said, well, why would they do that? And they said, that's just what they do. That's their culture. It's a song about destiny. And Lord began to talk to me about how many people in the body of Christ are weeping because they think their destiny is lost. They're weeping because they made so many mistakes they don't think they can ever get their life back. They married the wrong person. They had a baby too young. They messed up and lost their job. They, whatever they did. 
Guess what? God is the God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances. And if repentance is good enough for some of the worst sins under the sun, then repentance is good enough for your sin. And God can pick you up and change it and make it all right. Amen. He can do it and he will do it. Somebody say, won't he do it? Isaiah 51, 9 and 10 associates Rahab with the dragon spirit. Rahab works to knock the wind out of you, squash your courage, and quench your prophetic flow. You can discern and defeat the Rahab spirit in the Spiritual Warrior's Guide to Defeating Water Spirits. Hey guys, Jennifer LeClaire here. I'm coming to you with an exciting opportunity to partner with me as I advance the kingdom of God around the world. As many of you know, I am doing a daily prayer call that's reaching millions of people, millions and millions of people a year, but I'm also planting houses of prayers, prayer hubs, apostolic centers, and of course, raising up prophets and prophetic people. But I'm also sowing, sowing, sowing. Jennifer LeClaire Ministries sows back into at least 15 other ministries that are touching the sex trafficking industry. They're touching digging wells in Africa. They're helping uh, drug addicts rehabilitate and so, so much more. I need your partnership. When you partner with Jennifer LeClaire Ministries, whether you're in Europe, Asia, Africa, Australia, here in the U.S., wherever you are in the world, you are helping to open a door for me to come to your nation. You are helping feed hungry people. You are helping the gospel be preached. You are helping media projects flow forth. You are helping, you are sowing, and you will reap a harvest. Listen, you cannot outgive God. I can't do what I do without faithful supporters like you. You know, Billy Graham used to say that the janitor who cleaned the bathrooms would receive the same reward as he did for standing on a platform and preaching the gospel. When you sow into our ministry, you receive a reward. I want to invite you to become an official partner. You'll receive a monthly partner resource, special seating at my events, and so much more. The most important thing is you're being partakers of advancing the kingdom of God, especially if you're a prophetic person, if you're mission-minded, if you're apostolically focused, support. So pray. Amen. God is good and he's doing so much more than any one of us can do alone, but together we can do a lot. We can make an impact. We can have influence on a lost and dying world. It's time. It's time to rise up and go further. I'm asking you, become a partner today.